We've been covering a series that we've been calling Spiritual uh, Survival Kit, and we are in a time that we need to survive, right? Not just survive, but I believe thrive. And in Him, and so uh, that first week we did talk about fasting and how that is one of the tools that God gives us. And I like what Pastor Colin, it's about me putting my heart right with God. We don't get to manipulate God. You may try it, you may be good at manipulating other people, but how many of you know none of us manipulate God? It just doesn't work. So fasting puts us in the right uh, situation to be able to receive from God. And then last week I talked about prayer. If you didn't, if you missed either one of those, like I said, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, you can go to our podcast and, and get it. But I encourage you to listen to that because I wasn't just talking about devotional prayer. How many of you, those, you, those of you that were here, it was about breakthrough prayer. It's about intercession and standing in between the gap of the living and the dead. That's what God's called us to do. Not just the, uh, 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 okay, I need my devotional prayer, but we need to really intercede for people for our families, for our nation. Amen? So I am going to get into, you already got a little sneak peek here, but this series today I'm talking about required reading. And I got a question for you, but you got to answer me honestly. How many of you actually look at instruction manuals when you buy something new? Yeah, some of you guys, act, how many of you, you would be honest and say, if I look at it, it's briefly, right? Or not at all, right? My hand is up on that right there. I'm, I'm guilty at it. Sometimes I'm like, oh, okay, I'll hit a snag and I'll glance at it. And this Christmas I put together something I got for my wife. I'm like, I don't need an owner's manual for this. It's a piece of cake. And I got it all together only to realize, and she goes, well, where does this piece go? And I was like, ah, oh, you know, so I had to disassemble it to reassemble it right after that. And, uh, and then, because I've had this message on my mind, uh, I ordered her one of those little tea kettle things that instantly heated up really fast. You guys know what I'm talking about? And I thought, there's, there's, no in there's an instruction manual. I'm like, all right, I'll look at it. And uh, it, was in a, it was in another language. <laughs> so the time that I looked at it, I can't even read it anyway. So... Uh, I, I honestly, I think sometimes they make all of the parts look alike so that you uh, have to go to the instruction manual. Have you ever gotten some of those? It's like, well, uh, which one's which, you know? So you got, you've got to look at it. Has anyone ever bought, so y'all already saw that, anyone ever buy anything from Ikea? You always have to assemble it, right? Almost always. So I do have some of the, the little pictures there. Purchasing a log home from Ikea, some assembly required, right? How about never buy a camera from Ikea? Here, put that one, apart, that one together, right? Uh, buying a car from Ikea. Yeah, another one here. How about I just bought a book from Ikea. And then my last one, this is my favorite. Uh, we named him Ikea. He looks like his parts are not put together correctly. Am I right? Really what I'm saying, I don't really understand the whole concept. You buy something with your money and then you got to put it together. Right? Shouldn't you get like a 50% discount? If I'm doing half the work, what's going on here? And I don't know about you, but anyone ever put something together and there's always leftover pieces? Like always. There's two bolts here. There's a nut here. There's like, what do I do with that? Is it going to fall apart? Especially if you buy a bicycle for your kids and uh, you're like, okay, I don't know if these things are important, but then you put Junior out on the bike and say, hey, test it out. See if it falls apart, right? Like, you just don't know. There's always something. But the question I have, why do we ignore given instructions and just try to figure it out ourselves? 
I mean, I'd like to answer that. I don't have the answer for that because I don't do that. Uh, but the people that created the product, we have to realize they gave us those manuals to help us to put it together correctly so we'll actually get the best use out of it. And the reality is many of us still don't use them. Uh, we don't even open them. They're still sealed in the plastic container, right? So can I just say, whatever, you know, we're doing a fast. I fasted coffee one year and then I switched to hot chocolate and I drank just as much hot chocolate as I did coffee. And I was like, well, that was a wash. The same thing is true in our life. We have decisions. We have challenges. We have, how many of you guys got crazy things happen in your life? And uh, we, we try to figure it out with our own wisdom, our own knowledge, our own ability. When all the time, guess what? God has given us an instruction manual. Amen. He's given us his word. It's really our guidebook to living. And it's right at our fingertips. It's right there, and we just, you know, we keep it sealed in the bag, whatever it is. And we're missing the greatest resource that God has given us, His Word. And sometimes, I think sometimes here in America, we've taken this approach to God's Word. Maybe other places, but it's the partial approach to reading God's Word. How many of you know what that means? It means there are parts that I like, like I love, how many of you love the promises of God? Aren't they amazing? The blessings of God, the victories of God. We could read those all day. Forgive those, you know, that have done uh, wrong against you. Forgive those, you know, that have done uh, wrong against you. Well, Lord, I, you don't know what they've done. And the reality is we acknowledge God's word, his authority when we like it. Man, that's the word of God. God says this. Uh, but then we begin to question and ignore the sections we don't really like so much. Oh, uh, you know what? Does it really mean that? Maybe that meant that back then. And we sometimes treat God's word like the candy shop where we go pick and choose the ones we like. I like this. I like that. I don't like that black licorice. Let me leave that one alone, right? So one thing we have to realize, the Bible is either God's word or it isn't, right? There is no middle ground. A lot of times today, a lot of people, they have relied on a pastor or a teacher. Tell me what the Bible means. Right? You just tell me what it is. And don't get me wrong, I, that's important. It's an uh, important part of what we do here, uh, God's Word. How many of you know I don't just preach my ideas? I always preach God's Word because that's important. But how many of you know uh, once a week is not enough? Getting into God's Word one time out of the week, how many of you, and I know that we're doing fasting right now. I don't know what everybody's doing, but you realize eating one time a week is not enough? For a lifelong process, oh, you know what, it's, uh, I ate Sunday afternoon, I'm good, it's Friday afternoon, no, I'm good. If you do that lifelong, how many of you know you are going to deteriorate? You can't do it. You've got to be in God's Word on a regular basis. Daily time in God, it's so vital. It's important to a healthy, growing faith. And there, uh, Let me just say, in America, there is no excuse for not getting to God's Word. Well, I don't have a Bible. Uh, listen. Everybody can have a Bible. Everybody has access to a Bible, whether you realize it or not. And the good thing is you don't have to know Greek or Hebrew because there's so many different translations in English, right? You don't even have... Well, I don't understand all the these and thous. I've heard people say that. Uh, you realize there are translations that are not written in King James English, right? So you can get it in. There's, they've got Bibles that are written. They've got the kids' Bible, the teens' Bible, the collegiate-level Bible, large print Bible... Anybody seen the giant print Bible? Like five words on the entire page, right? So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But they are big. We've got, Bible, we've got some amazing Bibles with pictures, with graphs, commentaries, articles, all of that stuff, pocket Bibles. And guess what? 
every one of us, if you have a cell phone, we have access to Bibles right here. How many of you got the Bible on your phone? Look at all those hands. If you don't, I'm going to show you where to get that uh, later, but you can get it whatever translation. And not only that, you can have it read to you. You can have it read to, if you don't like the voice, some, you know, there was Bible on tape. How many of you guys remember that? And it's like, man, that guy's too boring. I can't listen to that. You can change the voice and have a different voice read it to you. I don't like that one. Well, let me try that one. You can speed it up. You can slow it down. Uh, there's so many. We have no excuse not to get into God's word. Well, I just, I didn't have it with you. Well, if you got your phone with you, you have access, right? It's just never been more easy to open up God's word and begin to read his truth. But the reality is there's many Christians that can't remember the last time they sat down and really got into God's word. And I'm not saying that about anyone here, but I know the statistics are speak for themselves. It just doesn't happen. And I think because we have such easy access, we have forgotten how precious God's word really is. We've forgotten the fact that there are people that lost their lives, died just to make sure people had God's word. I'm holding up my phone for the Bible, but <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't die so I could have a cell phone, but they died to make sure that you could have uh, God's word. Yeah. You're going to be thinking about that. I'll, I pick it up because I usually do my devotion on my phone, so don't throw anything at me. I just like doing that. I do have actual Bibles, too, at the same time. But here's the thing that we've got to think about. We have such easy access. Why is it illegal to bring Bibles into some countries? You know, they, this is uh, off of uh, Voice of the Martyr, this map that I got right here. There are 52 countries in our world that it's either completely outright illegal or it's very difficult or dangerous to have or to bring in God's Word. And uh, the countries are split up here. The ones that are in orange, it's very dangerous or very difficult to get God's word into the country. Uh, in the red, it's illegal, illegal and highly restricti restrictive. But then the countries that are in the black, uh, it's only covert only. I mean, they've got to, it's hard to get, a word, get the word in there. But God is doing it and it's spreading. And you think about it, why is it such a big deal that entire governments would ban this book? Why is it so, do they, they realize the danger it is for their, you know, control on their country, the control of their religion, if people actually got a hold of this thing, how life-changing it really is. And so I think about people that risk their lives to take Bibles into these countries, and not only that, I think about people that risk their lives just to own one. Because if the government finds out, you can go to jail, you, can get, uh, you might be beaten, you could be killed just for owning a copy of it. And, and I've heard so many different testimonies, some missionaries that have shared how if they get a Bible, sometimes they section it off and they'll give a portion to one person, a portion to another person. They all read it separately and then they exchange it. Like, okay, I finished reading my part. Let me read your part now. And they just kind of pass it around. And for somebody in some of these places to actually have an entire Bible, I mean, that is cherished. The people that have that, they can't even imagine, why would you not read this thing? It's so precious and it's so important to do that. And they understand that. So why is that important? Why is it important? Why am I talking about that? I mean, we had these two different words of, uh, of the enemy coming and picking and then uh, 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 how, you know, you're faithful, keep doing the right thing. Listen, it's only in his word. We have to be grounded in God's word. Amen. 
Because there may come a time, and I just want to say, this is a, I'm not speaking a prophetic thing because you can see this already happening in our country, in the world, some of the countries in the world. Some places are banning speech from God's word. They're calling it hate speech. There are people literally being arrested uh, because they're just speaking what God's word already says. So don't think, you've seen our country change over the last, uh, uh, well, it's constantly changing, darker and darker. Don't think that there's not going to come a time where you may not have access to something like this. So what do we do? We better make sure we have it on the inside, amen? Amen? I'm not trying to throw a scare tactic. I'm just telling you it's important to be in God's Word on a regular basis. And I do believe this, that every time you open the Bible, God's doing something in your life. You may not know what it is. You may not sense it at that time. You may not feel it. But I want to tell you that you open up God's Word. His Word is going on the inside, and it is doing something. Has anybody ever been in that situation where maybe you're in a circumstance, you didn't read this verse any time recently, but God brought that verse up? And you're like, whoa, where did that thing come from? Guess where it came from? You hit it down on the inside. You read it. It might have been a year ago. It might have been two years ago. It might have been a month ago. But when God's word comes in, God brings it out at the right time. Amen. So you may be like, oh, I didn't get anything out of that. You, uh, you be patient and you allow God keep putting it in there. Listen, to be a healthy, solid believer, we got to be in God's word on a regular basis. I mean, isn't that true? Like physically, if we want to be healthy people, don't they tell you you got to eat right and you got to exercise? So if I go to the gym tomorrow and I exercise and I choose to eat a salad instead of a cheeseburger, does that make me automatically healthy? Come on, I did it. <laughs> right? How, what, what, is, what is the missing element? I got to keep doing it. Right? You don't go to the gym once and exercise once. You don't eat a salad once and miss the cheeseburger once. It's a regular basis. And the same thing is true with God's Word. You don't just like read it once and like, well, I feel like I'm spiritually mature. I figured it all out now, right? I spent time with the Lord today. I'm good. You're good for that day. But how many of you know tomorrow you need it again? I, I've heard people, it's, this is not like reading a novel. Like if you read a novel, you're like, oh, I read it. I'm done with it. No, it's like you finish reading it. And guess what? Read it again, right? Read it again. Because as you're reading God's word, guess what God's word's doing? It's reading you. Right? It's looking into you. So we've got to do this on a regular and a consistent basis. And, uh, and, and as you do it, you're going to find this, as you develop this habit, if you haven't already done it, you're going to find out that you're going to be growing spiritually stronger all the time. And you're going to be able to resist the enemy more every time. And when the enemy comes in to try to pick you like a vulture, you're going to be able to stand against it with your shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and stick it right through that vulture. So we've got, to, uh, we've got to be consistent in it. So I want to give you today, and this isn't a super long message, uh, but the Bible describes itself in seven different images for us to really kind of wrap our minds around and, and to understand. So I want to give you all seven of them today because each one has a different purpose. The first one is out of Psalms 119, 105, and it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So, number one, if you have your sermon notes there, the Bible is a lamp. It really does guide us. It helps us to find, because we are living in a dark world. I mean, let's be honest, the world's always been dark without Christ. But, but as it seems like things are getting darker, it's easy to stumble. It's easy to get tripped up by the things if we're not careful. And we need a light to show us the path. 
We need a light to light our way, to lead us. And the Bible really is that light. When you read God's Word, it, it really, like literally, illuminates your path. It begins to show you the direction to go. And the best way that I can describe it, because it's, like, it's not like a lamp that we have right now. It's not like the LED flashlight. How many of you have an LED flashlight? Right? Those things are bright, aren't they? Especially if you have a big one. It really lights up the way. But we see what, this is what, whenever he was saying the Bible is a lamp unto your feet, this is a lamp that they had back then. It was just a little jar that had oil with a tiny little wick and a little flame. If that's all you have, that thing is lighting your path. But guess what? It's only lighting like two or three steps ahead of you. Right? Like, okay, you know what? I can take this step. And I don't know if you're like me. I'm like, God, open up the floodlights and let me see the whole path. Right? I mean, I'm just telling you, I want to see it all, but God knows that's not for me because if we saw it all, we might like run and, and, okay, I can see everything and we will miss everything that God wants to teach us along the path. Right? Because following Christ, how many of you know, it's not necessarily a destination, it's a journey. And so God lights our path, His Word lights our path a little bit at a time. When I was in the military, they had, some of you guys were in the, anybody in the army? Come on, a few of you guys. They had the flashlights. And they had like the regular flashlight and then they had like a red lens and a blue lens. Anybody remember those? And it's like, what's up with the, you know, when we went out and supposedly playing warfare out there, you didn't use your bright light. You had to put the red lens in it and it served several different purposes. Number one, it didn't destroy your night vision so you could still see. But the other is that, you know, if you're out there and there's really an enemy wants to kill you, uh, it will only light up just a very small area. Just enough to maybe see your buddy in front of you or the path in front of you, just so that you could keep going. But the point is, it's like God's not going to show you everything at once. He's not going to like lay down, here's your life. No, He's going to give us enough that we can trust Him with that one step. And as you take that step, guess what? That lamp lights the next step. And then you take that step, and then that lamp lights. And so you may be here, you may feel like you're lost, that you can't find your way. Maybe there's no reason to continue to feel that way. Uh, take God's word and begin to let him lead you. Begin to allow him to direct you, to show you. Here's the, the, the wonderful thing is that as you allow God to direct you, how many of you know it's always at his pace? I think that's the reason that this is the illustration, the lamp, because like I said, we want to we just bolt forward. Okay, God, let me just show me everything I got to do. Especially if you're a little hyperactive. Like, man, I just want to get it all done, right? But God's like, no, slow down. I've got some things I want to teach you. Allow my word to direct you. And allow me to give you that right path, amen? At his pace, amen? Secondly, Psalms 119, 103. Uh, I love this verse. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. God's word he's describing as honey. So that's number two. Uh, the Bible is like honey. It is sweet and refreshing. Now, who knows what, what these are right here? What do they call them? Yes, I'm hearing it. Sopapillas. I, and I put that on there because when I think of honey, uh, when, I was, uh, when, we, when I was in second grade, we lived in Colorado in Denver. There was this restaurant called Casa Bonita. And we took, when we lived in Colorado Springs as adult, we took our kids there. This was an, anybody ever been to Casa Bonita in Denver? All right. Oh, was there one here? Oh, in Oklahoma. It wasn't as good. I think I've been to that. The one in Denver was the original. 
And what was cool about it is that they had uh, uh, cliff divers. They had, did they have that in Oklahoma? So they had waterfalls. It was like you're walking around in a cave. In second grade, I thought it was the best food ever. When we went as adults, the food, the Mexican food, eh, you know, it, it wasn't that great. But one thing that was great is the sopapilla. So they had like this little flag you could put up, and you could get as many as you want. And I'd like keep putting that flag up. I'm a little second grader. I keep pulling that flag up, and my parents are like, well, it's free. You can have them. And, I, and not only would I get the sopapilla, I would fill that thing with as much honey as I possibly could, right? And then just bite into it, and then honey's like dripping all down my face, and I was a sticky mess, but uh, I'm totally getting off track here. But uh, <laughs> what I'm saying is that it was good, right? How many of you think honey is good? All right, when you get into, and that's what God's word really is. Like if, if you've been in a long and discouraging time, maybe life has worn you out, you're exhausted and stressed and overwhelmed and all of that, there's times that you open up God's word and it is so refreshing. So refreshing. Better than the sopapilla, right? With the honey dripping down. Uh, God's word brings sources and comforts of God's love, his peace, his grace, his encouragement that really gets us through those difficult times in life. And, uh, and the reality is sometimes you may walk away, you read and you're like, well, I didn't get any life-changing moment. I didn't get any deep de theological discovery. But I do believe this, because you spent time in God's word, in his presence, that is refreshing right there. God is bringing that, and it really is like honey on our lips as we allow God's word to refresh us. Amen? All right, next one. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man of God, and can I just say the woman of God as well, may be thoroughly equipped for what? Every good work, everything that God wants to do. And so that really leads us to number three there. The Bible is a training manual. It really does teach us, right? It teaches us to prepare for whatever life has at us. And how many of you know life throws a lot of curveballs at us? And it's like, how do I prepare for that? How do I get, get used to that? How am I ready for it? And well, I'm just going to back up. Notice these words here, teach. How many of you guys, we don't mind being taught, do we? We don't mind being trained, but does anybody here like to be rebuked? Oh, man, that feels so good. I love a good rebuke, you know. No, I don't like that. I don't even like correction because I've got a problem. I don't know if anyone else has it. I, I hate being wrong. Anybody else with me? I want to be right. Like if I raised my hand when I was in school, I didn't raise my hand unless I knew I I know some kids, I saw them raise their hand and they would just say stuff and it was like the teacher's like, what? You know, I didn't raise my hand unless I knew I was right because I don't want to be wrong, right? So, uh, but uh, the reality in my walk with the Lord, I've needed all four of these on a regular basis. I, I love this and I love this. I don't like either one of those, but I need both of them. Amen? How many of you agree? You need all of them. Those are action words. And the result of God's people being equipped for every good work is that we are ready for every circumstance that comes into our life. Every situation, you are ready. You're prepared for it. I mean, think about it. When, if you know a battle is coming, what do you do? You get ready, right? 
You prepare for it. Uh, we've had a lot of rain recently, and if you happen to be in a low-lying area and you're, you're hearing the forecast, all of this coming along, and you're like, oh, no, every time it rains like that, I flood, what do we do? We prepare for it. If you've got to get sandbags, you get sandbags. If you've got to dig a ditch, you dig a ditch. You get ready for it because you know what's coming. Uh, when you get into God's Word, you are preparing for battles that you don't know what's coming. But how many of you know it's coming? Right? You don't get a forecast on battles that you may face. It's 2023. None of us here knows what the rest of this year will hold. So how do you get ready for that? How do you prepare for that? you got to get into God's Word now. You don't wait till you're in the middle of a battle. I mean, I, I think about it. You know, my time in the military, basic training, they teach you how to use a rifle, right? They don't say, hey, listen, you don't need to know that now. We're not really in warfare. You know, when you're in a battle and someone's shooting at you, that's when you need to learn how to use that rifle. How many of you know that's the wrong time to when to figure out how to use that rifle? You prepare and you train right now. You allow God to correct you because none of us has it right. None of us has it all figured out all the time. So, yes, that means I've got to humble myself sometimes for a little rebuking. Wonderful. For a little correcting. And, and listen, I've been a pastor for a long time, been serving the Lord for a long time, but I still don't have it all figured out. And you're like, oh, great, I'm going to another church. I thought you had it all figured out, right? So nobody does. And so we have to have those times where, where we allow the Lord to correct us, to train us, to teach us all the time. Listen, I listen to a lot of other different people's sermons because, not because I'm bored, but because uh, I need other people's input. I need other people to speak into my life. Amen? So that's number three. Uh, number four, uh, out of 1 Thessalonians, it says, And we thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men. And that's what people do. Well, that, the Bible's written by just a bunch of men. How many of you heard that? All right? It's like, no, it was inspired by God. He says, you didn't accept it as a, uh, just a word from men, but as it actually is, the Word of God, which is at work in you. God's Word, when we accept it as God's Word, it's actually doing a work on the inside. And uh, here, here's my picture for this. The Bible is like a radio. It speaks to me. How many of you guys remember the boom boxes? People get their uh, shoulder dislocated because they got this massive box walking around. And, you know, those I, I had one of those. I didn't carry it up there because, you know what, it just got too heavy. Uh, but... Uh, that was how we, I love how we can listen to our music now, not only our Bible, but we can listen to our music on our phone now, right? And that's not very heavy. I don't see anybody walking around with that on my, so I can listen to my music, but God's word, again, I'm getting off. Sorry. Uh, the God's word, it speaks to me. It really does. If we will listen, God, and I'm guessing that nobody here has had God's finger right on their wall and speak to them. Is that anybody ever have that happen? No. Or, or get a burning bush experience like Moses had where God had to speak through that. That usually doesn't happen, but he still speaks to us, but it's through his word. And even when people come up to give a prophetic word from God, how many of you know it still lines with this? If you ever hear a word that doesn't align with this and somebody's getting up speaking for the Lord, uh, then I would discount that and say, wait a minute, you know what? That's not God's word. 
Right? It's always an encouragement. It's got to line up with God's word because that's how God communicates to us. Even the words that I share or some other pastor or some other teacher, if I'm giving you some kind of weird theology and you're like, where's that at in the scripture? Oh, well, this was special revelation that God gave to me. Can I tell you, there's people out there that will tell you that. I've got special revelation. Eh, no, God's word is the final authority. All right, God's word has got to be the final authority. So maybe you're here, maybe you're, people are, I need a fresh word from God. I need a fresh word from God. Why don't we start in the word that God's already given us? He's already given it to you. People are waiting for direction. I just need a word from you. I need that direction, Lord. And, and, and we're not giving time to hear what God's actually saying. All right, this is it. This book is an every time reliable word just for you. When those promises are mentioned, when those corrections are given, uh, whatever it is, God is trying to speak to our heart. And we don't, have to, we don't have to wonder, is it biblical? Of course it is. It's coming from his word. And I believe that, that when you allow God to speak into your life, it's a fresh word every time. Amen? Amen. Psalms 119.11. We're flying through these things. He says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Uh, so what is that saying? that the Bible is like a compass. It really does direct. Not only like the lamp that lights my path, it, it, if you happen to come to a place where you've got two paths, and you're like, wait a minute, this lamp is lighting both paths, the compass directs you to the right one. Amen. Shows you the right direction that you need to go. And I know we all have GPS now, uh, but the compass back then or that we used, that's what keeps you on track. It points to what? What, is, what does the compass point to? Destination. Yeah, true north, right? It's not just north, but it's true north is where the compass directs you. And guess what? We don't get to determine what north is in our life, right? If north represents what's true, then only a compass can tell you the right direction. Sometimes we live in a world now where people are like, well, that may be true north to you, but to me, this is true north, right? That may be right for you, but this is my right. You know, you do you and I'm going to do me. And we're going to get, you know, I know Sacramento is uh, west of here. But to me, if I go in this direction, I'm going to get there. How many of you know that's kind of how our world is right now? People have got their own idea of what's right and what's wrong. Because they're determining that not based off of God's word. They're basing it off of their experiences. They're basing it off of social media, what their friends are saying, whatever people they're listening to in Hollywood or music or whatever. Uh, we allow all these other instruments to tell us what's right and what's true and what's the right direction when the Bible is the only one that's going to get you to the right place. You're going you're gonna to end up, what does the Bible say? There's a, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. So if you think going west is north, guess what? You're going to end up in the wrong location. And our ultimate destination is heaven. Right? I, want, I want to follow that course. We can't just determine. When we begin to determine what we think is right and what we think is wrong, then we're, what we're actually doing is forming a God in our own image. When you hear people say, well, I believe God is like this. And I believe, you know, to me, God is this. And to me, God is all of that. I don't care what God is to you. What does God say he is? We can't create a God. That's really breaking the second commandment. Do not make any idol. 
An idol is like, I want to form it and it does what I want it to do. It lets me sin where I want to sin and not sin where I want, you know. You can't do that. We have to allow God's word to be the thing that directs us. And the reality is what was wrong 200 years ago or 2,000 years ago, how many of you know it's still wrong today? Truth does not change based off of culture, based off of opinions. God's not up in heaven taking a public opinion poll. Well, what do you think I should do right now? No, God's word. And I know people say, oh, you got biblical beliefs. Well, you're just old-fashioned. That's old-fashioned beliefs. I would agree with that in a couple of different ways. First of all, they are old. If you think all the way back to Moses writing the Ten Commandments, so they are old. And guess what? They were fashioned by God. So yes, indeed, it is old-fashioned. And I just want to say this is so important to uh, not just for you, but if you're a parent or a grandparent, this is important for us to pass down to our kids. They've got to get God's word on the inside. It's, you know, it's good to bring them to church, but how many of you know, not just bringing them to church, but they need to begin to memorize God's word too. They've got to get it on the inside because guess what? You as the parent or grandparent or aunt or uncle or whoever, you're not always going to be there. But if you allow God's word to get in there and you challenge your kids, listen, our kids started learning scripture uh, way before they were even in school. Well, I can't memorize scripture. You know what? They can, they can memorize short scripture. They may not know the address, where it's at, uh, but you allow God's word to get on the inside. And I believe that, you know, if I had my kids, I'm not going to bring you guys on the spot, but I know either Timothy or Joshua, if I told them to quote, and I didn't prepare them this, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, uh, they would be able to quote it, wouldn't you? See? Because <laughs> they were, could you want to do it? All right, grab the microphone and do it. I did not prepare them for this. I know Timothy could as well. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Uh, This is not of yourself. It is a gift from God, Uh, not by works that no man can boast. Thank you. I did not prepare them for that. Do you you remember what grade you guys were in when you learned that first? I do. You're in fourth grade. So, uh, (laughs) and... uh, What's awesome about, listen, so my challenge, if you have kids, if you have grandkids, if you have nieces, if you have, uh, challenge them to begin to memorize God's word. And they memorize that the programs that we had at the church, they memorize scripture. Listen, if your kids come to kids church over here, do you realize they get a paper that's got a memory verse on it? I want to encourage you. I know the temptation for kids. Take that memory verse, begin to challenge them to grow in that. Put that word on the inside of their heart because they may not need it now, but I want to tell you, when they enter junior high, when they enter into high school, when they get into college and everything is attacking their faith, they need to have God's word on the inside. Amen? Challenge them to do that. That's my challenge. Amen? So uh, that's number, that was number five. Next one I think is a little bit more direct, Hebrews 4, 12, and 13. For the word of God is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges, ah, this is so hard. It judges our thoughts and our attitudes of our heart. How many of you know we all got an attitude? It's not always a good one, but it judges it. And it says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So number six is that the Bible is a scalpel. It refines me. It really does. God's word gets on the nitty-gritty, am I right? 
You allow God's word to get on the inside. Sometimes you're reading God's word and it really does come at you like a scalpel. It's like you can, you can feel the truth revealing hidden motives in your life. Anybody ever have that happen? It's like, in our, we're so good. Can I just say, we are good at fooling ourselves. Oh, I'm just doing this for the glory of the Lord. Liar. <laughs> right. Oh, this really isn't sin. I mean, you know, I know some people have interpreted it that way, but it's really not. I mean, God is okay with that. We really know how to lie to ourselves. I mean, if we're honest, we've all had unpure motives. Am I right? And and we fool ourselves. And here's the reality. Do you realize, and I want you to catch this, you can serve God with selfish motives. You really can. I mean, you can say, oh God, I'm doing this for your glory. But all the while, you're looking for praise from men. You're looking for people to give you that attaboy. You know, you're doing a great job. Oh, you got it. Uh, and if you don't believe me, if you read Philippians chapter 1, verse 17, it says those others, and this is Paul talking about people that were preaching, uh, causing trouble. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with what? Selfish. Somebody standing up preaching the gospel, you got to think that, oh man, they got to have, man, that's the man of God. Not if they're doing it because they just want people to pat them on the back. Oh, you're such an amazing, oh, you're, you know, there was a time when I started out in ministry, man, I really love that. I really do. And I, I, I am people, I enjoy people encouraging me, but I want to tell you, it doesn't go to my head anymore. All right. God has humbled me to where that's not what I feed off of. I feed off of him. You can preach God's word with that. I mean, remember Matthew chapter 7, when, uh, when it says, many will say to me, Jesus said this, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons? Didn't we perform many miracles? I mean, you got to imagine if somebody's like got a lame leg and someone prays for them and their leg gets healed, you're going to look at that person and think, wow, man, God is moving in that person. God is moving because he's faithful to his word really doesn't have a lot to do with the person. Amen. God can answer the prayer from a, a donkey. Thank you. <laughs> I was looking for the word. And, uh, and guess what? God's the one that does the healing. But he says, I've done all these things. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. And so I, as I was praying over this, if we can preach the word with selfish ambition, what else can we do with selfish ambition? And I wanted to give just a couple of them. Another one, how many of you know you can sing or play an instrument with selfish ambition? You could be up here, to God be the glory, and a little bit of me, to God be the glory. And then we're waiting for people to come up and say, wow, your voice is so anointed. Oh, wow, the way you played that instrument, you're so talented. And there's nothing wrong with telling people that. But if the motive behind the person doing that is because I want people to recognize how gifted I am, how many of you know that's wrong? Wrong motive. Same thing could be true. And I know this one may shock you, but you can serve the homeless with a selfish ambition. You're like, what? How do you do that? It's like, okay, I'm doing this. Because if you're really needing pats on the back, you will do whatever it takes to get those pats on the back. Oh, look, I'm serving the homeless. Oh, look how compassionate you are. Look at how giving you are. Look at how merciful you are. Or, or not only that, you realize you can even share your faith with selfish ambition. I'm telling other people about Jesus, and I'm, you know, I won three people to the Lord last week, and I won this. and I, It's almost like the airplanes back, what was it, World War II, where they would stamp the uh, 
planes. I knocked down three zeros, you know. Uh, it's like, I, I did this, you know. We can do all of that. And, and like I said, even a prophetic word, you can give that uh, with a selfish because you want people to see how spiritual you are. And I could go on. But the point is, anything you do for the Lord, other people are going to notice. And we have to deal with that, but we have to make sure we check those motive issues in our heart. Oh, God, I want to do this for you. Not for me. If nobody ever tells me, oh, that was a great message again, I'm still going to be obedient to God. If nobody ever pats me on the back, and the only way that I have found in my life that, 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 that separates my motives is the Bible is a scalpel, is allowing God's word to get in there. And listen, I'm just going to share this real quick. You know, uh, some of you guys have heard me tell this story. When we were pastoring in Texas and the church was growing, it was bigger than it had been ever in its history. And somebody came up to me and told me, oh, man, you know, God is really using you. He was just like really building me up. And I was giving God all the glory. I was, oh, no, this is all God. God's doing that. Uh, but on the inside, the motive of my heart was like, yeah, I am doing a pretty good job. I am getting that. And, you know, and I walked away from it. I'm like, Lord, I gave you all the glory. Uh, but secretly, I took a little bit of it myself. And that next day when I was mowing the lawn, I just remember the Lord saying, you enjoyed that just a little bit too much. And I just remember oh, that scalpel just like got in there and cut it away. But we need that. Amen. We can justify our sin. We can have pride hitting. The Bible is that scalpel. He doesn't cut us to wound us. He cuts us to heal us, just as a surgeon would cut away a tumor off. Amen? So the final word picture that I want to cover is out of Ephesians six seventeen. After Paul's talking about the armor of God, all of that defensive armor, he gives us the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That is, uh, it is my weapon to fight. This is what God has given us. I mean, think about, we, always, we reference this often. Jesus fasted for 40 days, and what did the enemy do? He began to bring temptation. He's like, turn these stones into bread. Throw yourself off the temple. God's going to catch you, you know. Uh, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of this earth. And, and, and Jesus, he, like I said, the enemy was coming at him, but Jesus pulled out the sword to fight, didn't he? Yeah, he pulled it out. He said, it's written, man's not living by bread alone, but by every what? Every word that comes out of his mouth, right? I got to have the word. He says, do not put the Lord your God to the test or do not or worship the Lord your God only and serve him. So we have to learn to follow Jesus' example. I've got to pattern my life at him because the reality is spiritual battles are going to happen in our life. Some of you here may be in one right now. And you're like, man, I'm battling through this. I don't know. Listen, stop trying to fight it with your own ideas or your own ingenuity. Fight it with the word. Get the promises of God. Uh, Paul says this in Ephesians 6.12. We are not fighting against in flesh and blood. The people in your life that are harassing you, they are not your enemy. Amen. It's not against flesh and blood. Now, the enemy may be using them. That happens all the time. But our real fight is against evil rulers, against authorities of this unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. Listen, if you think your fight is with this individual that's harassing you, and you fight like the world does, and you go pop him in the eye, you know, and he leaves you alone, guess what? You haven't defeated the enemy. As a matter of fact, you've given him another foothold in your life, and the enemy's just going to keep coming. 
Sometimes we're using the wrong weapon to fight with. God's Word is our defensive armor, our primary armor that God has given us. And and the battles that we fight, we've got to learn to fight it the right way. Amen? And when you read the Bible regularly, you learn the truths, you are training for the battles that that are coming your way. And, And I just want to say, just because you may have a sword, that doesn't make you a warrior, does it? You could have 10 of them lying around your house. I've got 10 Bibles. And uh, that doesn't make you a warrior uh, or powerful. Only practice, only getting in and allowing that into your life, that's what makes you powerful. Amen? If you have 20 Bibles sitting there all your life, it's like the enemy is not scared. Oh, I'm going to hold my Bible against it. I've seen enough movies. Hold my Bible against it. He's not scared of that until you get it on the inside and you begin to use it. Amen? That's what's going to cause you to stand strong in the battles you're going to face. So how do I know? How do I, what, how do I, what's happening in my life when I read God's Word? I don't know for sure, but I do know something's happening. It might be the surgeon's scalpel when you open it up tomorrow. It might be that scoop of honey that you've needed. It might be getting that sword so you can fight. Or you're at a... How do I start? And some of you guys I know have a consistent reading plan when I first became a Christian, I kind of did the dip and skip method. How many of you know what that is? It's like, okay, God, what do I read today? And I just opened it up, and wherever it landed, that's where I read. Right? Anybody ever do that? Let's be honest. Right? It was the dip and skip. I didn't know what else to do. It wasn't until later that I learned, you know what? Uh, i got to have a consistent plan to get through God's Word. And so my, I always encourage people, yes, read God. If God directs you, read that passage. But you got to have some kind of uh, systematic Bible reading plan. Get into it, read it. Listen, if you have one of the, the, the apps on the phone, there's path, you can read through it chronological. I think Bob and Marilyn are doing that. Uh, that was challenging for me, uh, but there's some that you can read the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You can read uh, some of the plans give you uh, Old Testament, New Testament, a Proverbs, and a Psalm. Whatever it is, just get into God's Word. And, and I wanted to... Uh, so if you don't have the Bible app... That's one that you can get on your Bible. There's also another thing that I just want to encourage you. This has been, only been out for a few years, the Bible Project. There's actually a plan that you can use that. What it does, it's these guys that, I mean, they're very knowledgeable. I think they got their doctorate anyway. They know what they're talking about. And they put together like some of the best videos that explain all the books of the Bible. Like when you're going through it, First Thessalonians, and it gives a history. The reading and all of that. Anyway, other, other aspects. So I would encourage you. Uh, find a way to get into God's Word. And we are going to pray for people. I know, uh, I know it's noon, but listen, if you need prayer, we want to do that. But my challenge to us today, if we're going to stay, if we're going to stay spiritually fit and ready and survive, I want to tell you, even if hard times in our country don't happen, as a believer, how many of you know we all face hard times? And we need God's Word deep within inside each and every one of us. So I encourage you, I encourage you, I encourage you. Get in there. If you're not doing it already, if you stop, get back into God's Word and let God's Word begin to get in you. I've heard this phrase before, the goal is not to get through God's Word. The goal is to allow God's Word to get through to you, to begin to penetrate. It's not like, okay, I'm on a speed reading. I'm getting through it. No. If all you read is a chapter, then read the chapter and allow God. And all of these different things are going to happen at different times, God's going to bring verses up out of you. Listen, if your well is empty, how many of you know there's nothing to draw out? 
you put nothing in it, we've got to, we, we're not, God's not going to have anything to pull that out. There's not going to be any honey to draw out. There's not going to be any weapon to draw out. We need to put it on the inside. And that only happens through daily getting in, consistent. Don't beat yourself up. If you miss a day, just get back in it the next day. Amen? Amen? Thank you. Thank you. If you need prayer, can I have everybody stand?